Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer before we turn to our text. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day, and I thank you for all that you've given to me uh, uh, this day, um, the health and uh, the life that I have and the voice that you've given me this morning to to just um, to preach a word. And Lord, I just pray that this morning that uh, this will all be about uh, you, that it will all be uh, you speaking to our hearts, and that, Lord, we would just have this uh, desire, Lord, to, to, to really truly hear what it is you want us to listen to, that it would not be cluttered by whatever it is that's on our mind, whatever stressors there are, whatever worries we may have, whatever anticipations or other things that might be there would uh, would occupy but lord it would be just very clearly a desire lord to to hear you and listen to you lord as we seek to increase our faith i pray lord that we would realize exactly how we go about doing that and lord again i just thank you for those that are here and i pray lord that everybody has the attentive ears and heart and mind And I pray, Lord, above all, that your Holy Spirit will work among us, that this day would be honoring and glorifying to you, that all that we do would be pleasing in your sight. I thank you again for all that you've done for us, specifically, Lord, your Son dying upon the cross for our sins to give us salvation. And, Lord, may we never forget that. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Obviously, we were here this morning as uh, 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 Mike Griffey was teaching our Sunday school class through uh, looking at the things of the uh, the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I want to take a look at verse 1. And again, we understand the context of what's going on in the book of Galatians. Galatians is... Uh, about uh, a group of believers that uh, were being deceived. As he says, they were being bewitched. Uh, they, they, they departed from the gospel that uh, Paul had preached to them. Uh, their purpose and uh, uh, was altered and changed. Uh, it became more about themselves than, uh, than Jesus Christ. It became about the fulfillment of the law. Uh, and it became very clearly, as we see, uh, something that uh, another person trying to bring another individual under their subjection and their rule. And that's a pharisaicalism and even humanistic doctrine that we often see in the world today. But, uh, but one thing that is very clear is that as he goes through this, he gives various different ways to combat those thoughts, to combat those doctrines. To say we don't need to go back to legalism. We don't need to go back to this, uh, uh, if you will, all of these these things of the law that, that just are outlined. Why? Because we have such liberty in Christ. And, and, unless we forget that liberty and that how that liberty was purchased, it was purchased on the cross of Calvary, we do have some liberty. Now again, it doesn't mean liberty to sin, but what it means is that we as Christians need to seek out that perfect law of liberty. We need to seek out exactly what that means so that we can discern, that we can have judgment in this life about things that are right and things that are wrong, according to Scripture, according to His Word. 
But here he goes into chapter 5 and he says, Stand fast, therefore, in verse 1, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Going back to a form of Pharisaicalism, if you will, to quote-unquote be a Christian is bondage. It's bondage. And, and a lot of people have that mentality. And they will put things in, 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 in place, if you will, that are based off of that. A set of rules to behave by. That quote-unquote is supposed to make them holy. Holiness is about an attitude of a heart. Holiness is not about the things of, uh, if you will, the, the, uh, uh, the, the legalism and things like that. But what we very clearly see in scripture is this. That God has set us free. God has given us liberty and freedom from death. And there should be a great desire because of that. Because of what he's done for us. And he says in verse 2 of Galatians 5, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. He's saying, look, it's a physical thing. If that's what you're basing your salvation on, well, you're going to be very sad and sorry in the end. Because it's not physical. It's spiritual. In verse 3, he says, For I testify again to every a man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Somebody comes along and says, hey, well, you know what? You, you need to be circumcised to be saved. Okay. That means I got to keep the whole rest of the law. Every last bit of it. Not just the Ten Commandments, but the 3,000 other ones that are found over there in Exodus and Leviticus. And he reiterates them in Numbers and goes over them again in Deuteronomy. That's a lot of them. That's a lot. But he says in verse 4, he says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. What uh, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. And he says that the effectiveness of Christ in your life, what Christ can do, will be restricted if you just sit there and go towards that legalism, go towards that, if you will, uh, um, the, the, the law, going back to it, keeping those things. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take you right back to a place where you don't want to be, but what it winds up doing is it winds up hindering the work of Christ. Why? Because then it becomes all about what you've done, not what Christ has done. And we see here in, the, in verse 5, he says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And we do. We wait for that hope of righteousness by, uh, by faith. You know, we know that uh, obviously Jesus Christ is a sure hope. We know that in him is found righteousness, and in his righteousness uh, it is by which we are saved. It is his righteousness that he imputes unto us. And we very clearly, uh, we, you know, we wait for that hope of righteousness as in that completion and full redemption of our bodies and our souls and spirits. We understand all of that, but it's done by faith. It's just like Abraham. When, he, when God told Abraham, I want you to go into the land, and he says, okay, I'll go. He obeyed God's word. Do you ever wonder why Abraham obeyed God's word? He believed it. Why did he believe it? Because he loved them. He was called the friend of God with a capital F. A friend loveth at all times. 
If you're my friends, keep my commandments. So something very important comes about, right? But I want you to see something here in verse 6. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's all physical. Let's stop working on the physical and let's work on the heart. Let's stop working on the physical things and let's work on the heart. You can still do a lot of physical things on the outside and your heart be absolutely destitute and destroyed and devoid of anything that is good. That is Christ. The pharisaicalism mentality, the hypocrite mentality, the humanistic mentality, all of these things. But look at that last phrase, and this is the main subject of the message this morning. But faith which worketh by love. Have you ever found yourself in time sitting there and desiring more faith? You know, here's Paul's counter-argument to to keeping the law and, and depending on the law for righteousness. He says we need to depend on Christ for that. And in and, and, and this, he says, look, in order for you to exhibit this faith that we see over in Hebrews chapter 11, in order for you to exhibit this faith of the fathers, the forefathers that we've seen, the Old, the Old Testament saints, and, and for us, the New Testament saints, in order to do that, there must be something present. And it's love. It's love. In order for faith to be faith, not some fantastic fairy tale thing of, you know, some sort of pixie dust that you sprinkle along and go, oh, look, I got more faith. No, that's, that's not what it's about. What it is, is it's, it's more love for God. It's more love towards God. It's more love for Him. It's more love for His Word. It's more love for his grace and his work in his, in your life. It's more love for his will. It's more love for those things. And I dare say that if we're ever presented at a point in time where we're at a a crossroads or a juncture in our life where we're trying to make some decisions, the one key thing that we need to do is we need to grow in the love of Christ. We need to grow that love. It needs to be nourished. It needs to be uh, 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 watered. It needs to be, uh, if you will, uh, cared for with such a great investment to yield the right kind of fruit in our life, to yield that faith. Yeah, as faith obviously incorporates obedience, as we've talked about. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we see very clearly that it was by faith Abraham did this, and by faith Noah did that, and so on and so forth. And it was an obedience. It was obedience because it was brought about by love. Obedience to God is not compliance, as I've often said. Obedience to God is you want to obey, not because you have to obey. You want to obey God because he's God. He loved you so much, he died on a cross for you. 
He was brutalized for you. He shed his blood for you. He was stabbed for you. He was had a crown of thorns and was whipped and 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 punched and and had beard hair ripped out of him. All these things stuck with sta- struck with staffs and 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 he did all of that because he loved you. There's no greater act of love than that. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends, he says over in the book of John. So we begin to realize that, 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 that this love that he's communicated to us, that we in return turn back to produce that faith that we need in our lives to do the things that God is doing is because we say, well, I love him. I can't help but love him. He should be more lovely every day. You go over and you read the book of Song of Solomon and you get to the end of the book and you're like, what did I just read? You're like, I'm not sure what that is and what's going on there, but it's something, something. And that's a book that requires intense study. Because it doesn't always identify who's speaking. You have to understand the context. It's one of the great books. If you want to understand uh, the concept of context, uh, uh, Song of Solomon is, is, is probably the book that I would refer to. But I will tell you this, it's a tough book. It's a tough book. It's one that you have to sit down and really go through and really look at and really uh, 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 focus yourself on. But, uh, but, but the one thing that you see there is you see love between two individuals. You see a communication of love. You see love waning and you see love increasing. You see all of these things happen and occur. But I will tell you this, the one thing that causes more obedience in your life, if you're struggling with sin and you're struggling with uh, doing God's will, I will tell you this, the very first thing you need to do is you need to check how much do you love Jesus. You're like, well, I love Jesus. Okay, great. Prove it. Show it. Demonstrate it. Give that. I mean, we, 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 we love our spouses, right? We prove it. We go through a marriage ceremony or whatever it is, and then we, we get rings, right? And that ring, even if it's a physical thing, is a testament. And it's, it, 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 it is, you know, obviously one of those things that, 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 that is a cue or is an indicator that somebody's taken. And I know that in the world's viewpoint, that doesn't mean squat today. Back in the day, though, I mean, you know, I hung around with some people that were a little on the eh, side. Um, and, and I, and I remember that they always had this thing when, whenever we would hang out and these guys, they would look at uh, other women and they would, uh, they would look at them and they would, they were single guys and they would, they would always do this. They would do this RC check and the other guy would negative. And you're like, what just happened? Then it'd be another one of, of, you know, RC check. And you're like, wait. And the guy would say positive. You're trying to figure out what it is. It was a ring check. What they were doing is they were, they were scoping out available women that they could actually try to go out on a date with. And that's how they would go about doing it. It was, it was, it was a demented thing that they would do. But that's how they would view it. And it kind of struck me that, 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 you know, there would be people that would do that. And I knew, I knew a girl that one time she always wore, if you will, a wedding ring. 
And I asked a question about her husband, and she goes, oh, I'm not married. I said, oh, I saw your ring. And, and she goes, oh, I wear that to scare men off. <laughs> and I'm like, that's wise. Let's think about that, you know? <clears throat> But, you know, at the same time, it, it just, you know, it, it, I understand it's a physical thing, but it's a demonstration. you got to think of obedience in the same way. Now, here he is, he's talking about what we do for God, and he's he's talking about all of these things. But he says very clearly, one of the key things that we have in this life that God has given us is his love and that produces and increases that faith in our life. Faith cannot exist without love being present. It just can't. Because you think about this, and turn over 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You think about this, you know, faith is, faith is not an intellectual thing. Faith is not an intellectual thing. You know, uh, you, you witness to somebody and somebody will inevitably say, well, I believe God. I believe in God. I believe, I believe he exists. Well, then you take them over to the passage that says, well, the devils believe and tremble. So if we're just talking about belief in that way, then we need to make sure that we're believing the right way. And God makes it clear in scripture how to go about doing that, but but here he is, you know, talking about faith. And, and one thing that we know about faith is faith is, is not some intellectual ascent. Faith is not something that is just, if you will, uh, manufactured in the mind. Faith is something that is uh, part of the heart. It's a demonstration of an attitude of the heart. It shows forth in a very specific way. And you take a look here in, in verse uh, uh, 1 of First uh, Corinthians 13. It says, though, as I speak, I speak with the tongues of men and uh, angels and have not charity... And become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And charity is an important part of this. Charity works in this vein, in the same vein as love, in a demonstration of it. And it's not intellectual. It's not something that you can just think about and do. You know what that is? That's cold and indifferent. That's not love. When you think about love, you don't think of it as as cold and indifferent. You think of it as warm and inviting. Warm and receptive. Comforting. That's what love is. And you find that in Jesus Christ. And, and, and what we understand about faith is faith is not just about the mind. Faith is about the heart and working in our hearts. And what we not begin to understand is, is that it begins to control the affections. What you love will be demonstrated in your faith. And that will show, and if you will reveal, how your heart is affected by God. Or affected by something else. So what we find here is we find that, that, that faith is, is something that, that is very clearly, it's not self-serving. Over there in, in the book of Galatians, it was all self-serving. It was all promotion of self. It was all lifting up of self. It was all, yay, 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 look at me. All of these things. But you know what faith is not? Faith is not, you know, if you will, some sort of religious mindset. Faith is not orthodoxy or legalism or tradition. 
Faith is, faith is beyond that. It, 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 it's not just a, a mere belief of truth that adheres to a letter of law. It, it, it's more than that. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, we find that true faith can only be seen in that love of God to him and for him. Ephesians chapter 3 <clears throat> Here he is, he's talking about uh, um, what he's desiring for them and and the ministry that he's called to. And in verse 14, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't take a knee for anyone. Save Jesus Christ. I heard an old Marine say that one time with very colorful language. And one time he was talking about all these people taking knees and things of that nature. And he said, you know what? He says, I don't take a knee for anybody. He says, unless I'm trying to shoot them. But, um, and of course that's, would be a Marine that would say that. He says, the only time I'm going to take a, take a knee is he says, when I stand in front of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to take a knee. I'll be on both knees. And here he's saying, this is why, who he bows to. This is who Paul bows to. He says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, and to be strengthened with his might by his spirit in the inner man. He's talking about that, 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 that spiritual growth that we all need. Talking about spiritual reinforcement. Talking about the way that we get that is obviously through the riches of his glory. The more glory you give to God, the more you will be strengthened in your spiritual life. The less you give God glory, the weaker you will be as a Christian. You know what that means? Every opportunity you find in your life to give God glory for anything, do it. You make it to work on time and you're chronically late. Walk in and somebody goes, hey, look who decided to show up. And you go, absolutely, praise God, I made it here on time. Yeah, start start name dropping him. I told you I did that in a, in a business meeting one time and I had everybody just look at me like, what? You know, they're sitting there taking his name in vain. Something good happens. And every, all the bad things that happen and they're using his name in vain and, 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 and cursing up a storm, something good happens. And I'm sitting there and, and everybody's just kind of like, oh wow. And I'm like, oh praise God. And everybody looks at me. Like what? Really? Yeah, I'll praise God for it. Cause obviously we can't seem to do anything right. So. <laughs> You know, here you are in a management and business meeting and it's gone on for three hours at that point in time. You know that something has gone wrong. But, you know, it, it, just, again, praise God for everything. You get home from driving, especially along I-5, praise God. Praise God. You survive another work day. Praise God. You go home and you lay down in a bed whether you get sleep or not. Praise God. You get food put in front of you. Praise God. Give him the glory for it. The more you do that, the stronger you will be, and the more you will strengthen that inner man. 
the more you will be strengthened with his might. But here he says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You want a full Christian life? Devote yourself to the love of God. Faith will increase. And here, that's exactly what he says. Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And and what is that? It starts off with being rooted and grounded in love. The key to the Christian life. Look, everyone, I, I I, I cannot emphasize this more than anything in the world. The key to Christian living. The the key to being pleasing in the sight of God, the key to being accepted, is to be rooted and grounded in His love. No other soil, no other uh, material will grow more in your life than the love of God. If you focus and devote yourself onto loving God more every day of your life, you will begin to see a dramatic change in the way that you think and the way that you behave. You know how many times I've seen individuals that have just flat out, they do not have a love for God. They love God like they love spaghetti. Not the same thing. They're not the same thing. You guys know that I have, I, that I love jelly beans. My love for jelly beans, my love for my plastic brick hobby, <laughs> my love for filling the air with lead, I'll tell you this, it is nothing compared to the love for my Savior. All of that can go away. But the love of God is where I am grounded and rooted. When I begin to realize I've got a problem in my life, I go back to that source of saying, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to check the roots. Is my root where it's supposed to be? Is it grounded and planted and the foundation built on something that is Christ or is it on something else? And I will begin to see a very clear difference. Faith is is seen only in the love of God, and a heart that is affected by love uh, is naturally going to produce that faith. It's naturally going to produce that. We struggle in believing what God says in His Word. We struggle in understanding. He just talked about how to get understanding. It's got to start off with loving God. You know why it's so hard for for an unsaved person today to read the Bible and to understand it? Well, number one, they're out of the love of God because they've rejected him. That's a big thing. But I will tell you this, the, 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 if you really want to understand the word of God, Work on loving God every more every single day. And he says, that's how we're going to do that. We may be able to comprehend with all saints was the breadth and the height and the, uh, um, excuse me, the breadth and length and depth and height uh, uh, of that love. 
Do you, do you, I mean, we can't even begin to comprehend that. And again, that is one of those meditative thoughts where you begin to sit there and think about, okay, well, how deep is the love of God? How, 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 how expansive is the love of God? Does God have a limitation on the number of people? We're not Calvinists. The answer is no. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I love that verse. Why? Because that includes me. It's a whosoever. And whosoever includes me. And I see this over and over again. Turn over to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. And, and, and a lack of faith is attributed to that lack of love. Lack of faith is going to be attributed to a lack of love. We have to grow in love every single day. Second Thessalonians in verse 1 says, Paul and Silas and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians uh, in God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and that your charity of every one of you, all toward each other, aboundeth. He says, uh, look, I'm, I'm looking around at you guys, and you guys obviously love each other, so it becomes very clear that you guys have a love for Jesus. It's something that should grow every single day. He's talking about their growth. Talking about the growth. And, and, and the Judaizers over there in Galatians, and even in, in some of the other churches where they were showing up, all of them were concerned with an outward you know, appearance, if you will, with those things that are outward, that are physical, to determine their standing and acceptance in God. It became an outward show in an effort to, to, to try to, if you will, garner God's attention. But God has repeatedly said over and over again, you know what he loves? The broken and the contrite heart. He responds to that. He responds to those things. He doesn't respond to the outward show. It doesn't respond to, 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 to the putting on and putting off of airs and, and, uh, of, uh, of, of those things of, if you will, of the law. You know, God's looking for faith. God's looking for faithful men and women. Over, over there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he's talking about looking for faithful. At one point in time, uh, there's passages that say uh, a faithful man who can find, you know, he's looking for faithful men and women that are going to stand, that are going to serve, that are going to do his will, that are going to do what is right. He's looking for those things. And in order to do that, in order to, if you will, garner that acceptance of God, he's looking for the faith. And if we're looking at our lives and going, well, I'm just, I just, I just don't have as much faith. I'm just not faithful. Full of faith. That's the definition of faithful. <laughs> I'm just not there. And start analyzing how, how we, how we love God. How do we tell Him? 
How do we show that? Yeah, I want you to think about this. You know, obviously, once we're we're trusting Christ as our Lord and Savior, because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. We understand the importance of it and the, the, the work of faith and the work of the faith of Christ that brings about the eternal life and salvation that we have. But that faith should always be growing. And in order to water it and have it grow the right way, it has to have that right soil, the right foundation, and that's in found in God's love. Faith's action, you know, how it works uh, uh, is, um, is, is kind of done, if you will, through a motivator, a desire, a passion. I want you to think about that. If somebody is demonstrating faith in their life, it's because they have a strong desire for God. They have a passion for Him. They're motivated to do something for the Lord. They're motivated to obey because of the love. They have a desire because of the love. And they have a passion because of the love. Some people in this world, you know, all they're looking for is they're looking for their one true love. They're looking for uh, that person to come sweep them off their feet. They're looking for somebody that is, 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 is going to be that love of their life. And I say some because in today's day and age, people have put off the, the natural use and they don't love the way they're supposed to. Love is a fleeting thing. Love is a temporal thing. Love is, uh, uh, you know, here today and gone tomorrow. That's not love. That's just lust. But what we find is that we find that there's some sort of motivator with this. We find that, uh, uh, if you will, go back over there to the book of Galatians. <clears throat> we see that, uh, that in order to get to that point of where faith is doing the way, is working the way it's supposed to, it has to have the right fuel. It has to have the right way to, to, to drive you to obey. Faith has to grow in such a way that, that, that it clearly demonstrates the source of its workings. You get down, you break down a car, and you're going to find that the car has an engine or a motor, and it uses some sort of transfer of energy to propel it and to motivate it to move it forward. So when we take a look at the Christian life, that itself is found in love. Love of God. The way we should love Him. Back over in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 7, he tells the church, the church at Galatia, he says, you did run well. Meaning at some point in time, they were, I mean, they were on the right path. They were doing what it was right. That looked like they loved God. And he says, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Right smack dab in the middle of this dissertation talking about faith and talking about love, he says there was a lack of obedience and it was because someone came along and, if you will, deceived them and hindered them 
from their obedience? And I dare say that this is a good question for us to ask. This is a good question for us to ask when we struggle with obedience with God, when we struggle doing the will of God, when we struggle listening to God, when we struggle having the right desires for God, we have to ask ourselves, who is hindering us? Who's hindering us? Now, sometimes it can be attributed to people. Sometimes it can be attributed, in this case, to some false doctrine. But I also think that at some point in time, that that this very clearly, he's pointing back at them. That the reason that they were being hindered and that they fell from where they were running was because of themselves. Who hinders us? You know, when we start thinking about this, this is something that should cause us to kind of get some conviction. To sit and think and go, well, who's hindering me in my life? Who's hindering me in my Christian life? Whose acceptance am I seeking? Who am I accountable to? This is essentially what he's asking them. He's asking them very clearly who's hindering them that they should not obey. Who is it that they are obeying? Who's their authority? Who are they accountable to? Who's the one that's giving them the conviction? Who's the one that they're seeking to be accepted in the sight? It comes down to why do we do what we do? Why, why, why do we do what we do? You know, if we're being hindered in our own personal life and it's someone or it's ourselves, either or, it makes no difference. And I guarantee you, many times when we look at it and we find it is ourselves, we're trying to garner the acceptance of someone else. We're trying to win the affection and desires of someone else. And it's not God. And we ask ourselves this question, is it because of consequences or is it because of faith we do what we do? Is it because of consequences or is it because of faith? Let's say we are convicted of something in our Christian life. You know, immediately somebody can experience shame. We've all been there. But if we're motivated solely by the consequence of shame, are we motivated by the faith in trying to please God? Are we motivated by the love of God? Or is it we're going back and we're retrograding to trying to please mankind again? Man's going to do what man's going to do. Let's go over to here to uh, what I'm doing. Is it pleasing in the sight of God? The only way I can please in the sight of God is with faith. The only way that I can exhibit faith is if I truly love him. It, it begins. We begin to see how it can connects everything. 
It begins to see why we often fail and why we fall and why we stumble in the case of the Galatians. Now we understand, as he says here very clearly, that righteousness is by faith. That righteousness comes by faith, which is by love, which is of God, because God is love. As Griffey's talking about in Sunday school, fruit of the Spirit. You want real love? Work on listening to the Spirit. You want real love? Get real familiar with God. Get real familiar with the Savior. And we think about this, you know, righteousness being by faith, which is by love, which is by God. We realize that, you know, that uh, faith is not a self-willed action. It's not something that we're going to sit back and we're going to make it happen because we've got the power of positivity. That doesn't do it. That's not faith. Faith is not of our own will. Faith is not self-willed. Faith is not something that is for self in any way, shape, or form. Faith is absent of that. How do we know that? Because we find over there in 1 Corinthians 13, we find that without charity, which is not about self, faith is nothing. So it becomes about someone else. Not us. I mean, God makes it clear in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what his love demonstrated? His love demonstrated that he was caring for us. That he was concerned about our souls and our eternal life. Even while we were in the process of sinning, he still cares. Still demonstrates that love. Turn to Romans chapter 10. I want to take a look at two more verses. Romans chapter 10. You know, I guess if I had to title a sermon this, uh, this as a sermon in some way, shape, or form, I would basically say, faith's catalyst is love. What causes the reaction of faith in our life? And that is the love of God, the love of Christ, and our love that is returned. We love him because he loved us first. And what we find here in Romans chapter 10 and in verse 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith in hearing the word of God is important. But if somebody doesn't love the word of God, they're not going to have a lot of faith. If they don't love the author of those words, they're not going to have a lot of faith. I've read a lot of authors in my life, and there are some that I really like, and there are some that I just cannot stand. And uh, I remember having to read books that I cannot stand for various different assignments, and I hated every minute of it. I didn't like the writing style. I didn't write the subject. I didn't like the subject matter. Uh, I, I just, I didn't like it. So you know what? Those books don't really make a huge impact in me. They don't make a huge impact. I've read the Quran and I've read Charles Darwin's uh, uh, Origin of Species. Uh, the, the key principle book on racism, in case you were wondering. 
<clears throat> but yet that's what they teach in schools. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> somebody says, well, there's systemic racism. Yeah, it's being taught in school under the guise of evolution. Anyways, I'm sorry, I need to get off that soapbox, otherwise I'm going to get real trouble real fast. But, you know, here, here he is, you know, I've read those books, and I'll tell you, I, I don't love the subject matter. I, I, I don't love what it's about. Why? Because it's not from my God. They're written by men. Men with agendas. Men with, uh, Desires to put others down. Men trying to elevate themselves above another. Humanism. And I'll tell you this. If I want faith, I gotta listen to more or to God more. But if I wanna hear the Word of God, I have to love what it says. Even when it tells me I am Horribly wrong. I've got to love it. Not because I have to, but because of who wrote it for me and the love that they demonstrate. The love that he demonstrates towards me. Uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> I just want to read the first phrase of verse 5. 2 Corinthians. And it's 2 Corinthians 13. If I said first, I meant second. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. You want to know how to get this Christian life to be where God wants it to be. It requires that faith. But it also requires this. Daily examination of your own self. Daily examination of where's my level of faith. Daily examination of do I really love the Savior like I say I do. It's a hard message to sit here and think about this one, and I've I've thought about this and meditated on it for quite some time. But it's key. It's key. You go through and you find that uh, the very first, very first part of the fruit of the spirit is is what, for those of you that are in Sunday school and have been paying attention, love. Faith comes later, doesn't it? But it's all got to start with that love. It's all got to start with that love. Is love your catalyst for your faith? If it is, continue to grow it. If it's not, find out how to love God more. Is of great importance to our Christian life. Let's close in a word of prayer and stand. Dear Heavenly Father.
Thank you again for the time that we've had. And Lord, it's a sobering message. It's one that we need to think on. It's one that, Lord, as we clearly see, is uh, of something of great importance in our life. Love and faith. And these two, they go hand in hand. One cannot be without the other. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that concept this morning. That our faith needs to work by the love that was demonstrated on the cross in the resurrection, the love that you've had towards us, and the love that we demonstrate towards you. Lord, again, I just thank you so much for what you've done for us, what you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to use these words, mold us and shape us, Lord, that we would be faithful, loving believers that can truly call themselves Christian. We're a follower of Christ because he loved us first. And I pray this and ask it in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.